What scares you? Now, the he-man part of all of us, male or female, the he-man part of us says, I don't get scared. Well, I would respectfully say to you, I don't believe that. You may not get scared by much, but there's something within each of us that fights the tendency towards fear, I believe. So let me give you a couple of things just to show you how, uh, how regularly we face fears. I, I have in my office this multi-page printout of a single-spaced list of phobias, identified phobias that real people fight. Now, some of them are just unbelievable. For instance, peladeophobia. Anybody know what that is? Peladeo, actually I think there's an E in there, deophobia. That is the fear of bald people or baldness. If you have that, I would encourage you to sit at the front of our services, although that puts you close to this baldness, but I'm looking out there. Some of you are are follically challenged, I can tell. A genuine identified phobia of baldness and bald people. If that doesn't catch you, then how about catophobia? Catophobia, which... Anybody want to take a guess on what that is? That is the fear of hairy people. I don't even want to go to the mental image of that. Maybe a commercial of a guy. Yeah, right. All right, this next one. It's next. This was Kristen's last week in the office, and so she had some fun with the slides, obviously. But this next one. If you can pronounce it at first run without mispronouncing it, then you're better than I am. Parasketaviticatriophobia. You like I did that, right? I've been practicing for a week on that. That is the morbid, irrational fear of Friday the 13th. I know that this can seem awfully silly to us. That looked like Aaron. Is that you? Did you pose for that? Uh, this all can seem really kind of silly for us, all these phobias. But, you know, we, we tend to have fun with fears. Uh, you know, we have entire industries in American society that are built off of fear and your ability to be scared. Uh, we have one of my favorite things in our family occurred with Lauren. That's some of y'all know her. She's our daughter. And... Uh, she, she always loved to be on the dishing it out end of scaring people. And uh, first of all, she didn't do that much with me because she knew that there was going to be blood involved somewhere in the process. But she loved to scare her mother. And so one day, Teresa and I cooked up the opportunity to get her back. And uh, boy, did we ever. Um, you, you remember a number of years ago, there were these... Uh, emails that went around. If you clicked into it, it would kind of go to this link of a nice pastoral kind of setting, you know, out in green meadows and, you know, until you're watching it and the camera's panning and it kind of draws you into it. And then about the time that you get drawn into this little video story, some hideous looking creature would just jump out onto the screen from you. Remember those? So I, somebody sent me one of those at work and I thought, this is Lauren. I mean, this 
begs for Lauren to be pulled into this. And so we set it up. Now, the, the living room that we had at the time, we dissected part of it, uh, the passageway from the kitchen into the back part of the house where the bedrooms were. We, we put a couch in there to kind of make a, a very visible way to walk and, instead of walking in front of everybody. And so this couch was kind of almost out, not really in the middle of the room, but out towards that. And so... I'd set up this, my laptop computer in one corner of the living room, and I pulled Lauren over, and I said, okay, here, I want you to watch this. And so we're watch, she's watching this thing, and she's getting pulled into it, and I'm trying to you know, embellish it enough for her to hang in there. And then all of a sudden, this thing jumps out at her, and it scares her, and she's, Rah! and I'm loving it. Uh, but I really love the next part of it, because while that was happening, Teresa snuck around and went behind the couch and kneeled down on the floor. And then my job, when the video part thing was over, I said, now I want you to go back into the boys' room back there, which means she had to go past that couch. And I said, I want you to go get something out of the boys' room for me. So she gets up, goes across the living room, and as she comes around that corner, Teresa's knelt down on the ground right there and just jumps out and lunges at Lauren right after she's seen this hideous creature thing. And Lauren lost it. I mean, (laughs) now she was a cheerleader, right? So when I say she screamed, I want you to know this was a scream from deep down within the inner parts of who she is. And then she stopped, and she I'm losing it. I'm just laughing, and Teresa's laughing, and Lauren stops screaming. She takes a deep breath, and she gives the same scream again. And I thought it was the best day of my life. <laughs> We have a lot of fun in our society with scaring people and scary stuff. But when the fear is yours, there's really nothing funny about it, is there? How should we answer fear? Stories told, and I'm told that it's a true story, of a couple of gas company repairmen, servicemen, who'd been going through a section of the neighborhood of their city, making sure that all the gas meters functioned correctly and, you know, those kind of things. And so it was an older guy, and he was teaching the younger guy how to do this process. And they've been doing it all day, and it's mundane work. And so they're walking through the alley, and they're going house to house. And uh, most of the time, they're having to go into people's yards to do that. And uh, so they come up close to the last house, and the younger guy's bored out of his head. And and the older guy finally looks at him and he says, you know, I believe, I know you're young and all that, I believe I can outrun you. And the younger guy, you know, he, that's a challenge, right? Now, so now it's my, you know, my masculinity is on the line. And so the younger guy said to him, uh, I don't believe you can. And the older guy said, I'm, I'm going to prove it to you. We're going to check this last meter out and then I'm going to race you back to the truck at the other end of the alley. And so they knelt down there working on this um, gas meter And just as he finished it, before he said anything, the old guy, because he's wiser, jumps up and just starts sprinting down the alley. Well, the younger guy's hard on his heels, and he catches up to him, and they're three-quarters of the way down the alley, and they hear behind them this lady screaming. And so they turn as they're kind of stopping. They look, and she's about 10 yards behind him, and she's hooking it, and she's screaming for her life. And they stop and say, what's the matter? She said, 
Well, you tell me what's the matter. They, what are you talking about? She said, hey, you guys are working on my meter, and I saw y'all start running, and I thought I ain't sticking around to see what's wrong. Okay, so the question out of that is, what do you do with your fear? How do you answer fear in your life? So many people, so many Christian people don't know how to answer that. And so they just run through life hoping that they'll find some kind of a solution. So I want us to look, and I have just about 10 minutes left. So I'm going to make this as quick as I can working through it. Spencer, you'll have to jump around on the slides. But Genesis chapter 15, we come to our final look at this guy named Abram in the series that we've been doing, and we'll transition to some other stuff in a couple weeks. But I want us to take one last look at Aaron because he gives us what proves to be the fundamental lesson of living in faith. In Genesis chapter 15, as we come to this passage, we come to Abram as he has just finished one of the greatest victories of his life so far. And he's had a few of those. You know, he went down into Egypt and he had to lie about some things or he felt like he had to lie about some things and God honored him anyway in that and he comes out of Egypt after battling wits with Pharaoh himself and Abram comes out richer than when he went in. That's clearly a God thing. And he's left his home back in chapter 12 and he's made his way into a foreign land and he's set up his religious shop, if you will. I, I give him a lot more credit than just that statement. Seems like I do. But he sets up shop there to worship God in this pagan environment and God blesses him in the face of that. In chapter 14, after the split where Lot took the valley and the best lands and Abram stuck with the hill country and all of that, uh, in chapter 14, Lot gets taken prisoner of war in a battle between some northern kings and these people down in the valley and they take Lot and they overthrow the city-states there and they take them back all the way into northern, what we would call northern Syria today. A long ways in those days to be mounting some kind of a rescue campaign, but that's exactly what Abram does in chapter 14. And he goes back and he, with his people, over, or, or, or defeat those people who had come down and defeated Lot and the, those other kingdoms down in the valley. And Abram has just like got it going for him. And yet we find in chapter 15 something that doesn't really seem to fit. And after these things, this is verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, fear not, Abram. Now that, that, that should catch us off guard. And I've already tried to give enough background there to help us see why it should catch us off guard. Abram has it happening for him. Everything seems to be working for him. Even when he does something wrong, God seems to bless him. So fear doesn't seem like it ought to fit. But that's the nature of fear, and that's the nature of fear for us in our lives. On the outside, it may look like everything's great with us, but deep inside of every one of us, there is that tendency towards a particular area to be afraid. It may be something like personal safety. There are those people in life, no matter where they are, they feel like they're in danger. A lot of that's because they've experienced some horrific things in the past. And they'll never fear safe if it's left up 
to them. Some of us have incredible fears about money. Do I have enough? Will I run out? Will I go hungry? Nothing seems to instill fear like those health things that we get from time to time where the nurse calls you and says, you need to be in my office because we found something in a test. Those things don't get you. Those of you who have children know full well that your children have the ability to instill fear deep within you as a parent. What scares you? And what do you do with those fears? Abram teaches us something here. God says to him, fear not literally, very literally translated, God says to him, stop fearing. So it's not like God says, hey, just in case, you know, things are going well and you kind of feel like the other shoe's about to drop somewhere, don't be afraid. God says, hey, man, stop it. So let's make sure that we identify with Abram enough on the front side of this short message. Make sure that we wear what is ours there. I believe that every one of us has a very real place in our lives where we are most prone to fear. And what do you do with that? How do you answer that fear? So here's what we get in chapter 15, verse 1. God says to him, fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. Actually, your translation, if, if it's like the one I have in front of me, says your reward shall be very great. We'll come back to that in just a moment, but let me make a comment or two about how to answer fear. First of all, acknowledge it. There is a psychological benefit for you if you have some fears in your life, but you refuse to acknowledge them, if you will just call them what they are, There's a psychological benefit for you. It labels something that allows you then to deal with it for what it is. So many people in life go through life, and and, and, in church we're terrible about this. We get enough uh, biblical point of reference that we know some things and how we should or shouldn't operate. And so we come into those things, and it's like, okay, well, I know that I'm not supposed to be afraid, and I know that I'm not supposed to worry Right? Y'all have heard that before? So what does a Christian do when they are worried but they can't call it worried? Well, I'm, I'm concerned about this, preacher. Okay, so you're afraid. No, 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 no. I'm concerned. About what? Well, I'm concerned about my child. You know, he's a teenager and it's like somebody sucked his brain right out of his head. So you're afraid. No, I'm just concerned about my son. So you're afraid. You know how many people just won't admit I'm afraid about something like that? Call it what it is. There's psychological benefit in acknowledging that, but there's spiritual benefit in acknowledging that too because there's a fundamental part of us. Matter of fact, it's the fundamental part that if you don't address this, you'll never even come to know Christ as your Savior because there is that part of us that has to get to the point that says, I'm needy. I can't fix this on my own. 
Fear does that for us. It, it can drive us to the point that, because it's based in an awareness that, that I don't have control over this. Why am I afraid that my teenage son is going to whatever? And the answer is because you live long enough to figure out you don't have any control over that teenage son. At least not when he walks away from your presence. Call it what it is. Abram does that. Huh? I'm proud of Abram for doing that here. Well, okay, I know what you're saying. No, no, no. God said don't stop. Let me finish reading. So let me go ahead and back and read verse 1, all of it. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your, very gra- or your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God. <laughs> oh, I'm always intrigued with the way we, and in this case, Abram, responds to God. He gives the exactly appropriate title, Oh Lord God. He stacks them up. You're God. You're my Lord. You're in charge of my life. And then he adds to that, I know you're God, but here's something you can't do. How often do we do that? Oh Lord God, what will you give me? God has just said your reward will be great. Abram says, with all of his stuff around him, what are you going to give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, Abram has a fear that goes beyond material possessions. Those are the worst kind for us. Because those are the ones that we really can't do anything about. Verse 3, Abram ramps it up with God because essentially he says, and it's your fault. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring. I'm afraid, and it's your fault, God. Remember, my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir, for your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said to him, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram's fear teaches us, give voice to your fears. Listen for God's voice in the midst of your fears. Psalm 4610 says, be still And know that I am God. You know when I learned that verse? When that verse became very personal for me? I was in the middle of the most fearful time of my life. And I had so worked me and my family into a situation that I felt like there was no hope and the, the future was just dark. And I was searching frantically through Scripture and I came to that passage in Psalm 4610. And God says, be still. And know that I'm God. You know what it is for me, and I suspect it's true for you? The be still part has very little to do with your physical activity and everything to do with your emotional and intellectual activity. When we get most fearful, often we're most still physically, but our mind's going a 1,000 miles an hour trying to figure out how we're going to fix the problem. And so God says into that, be still. And in being still, you will know that I'm God. So there's this peace that comes as God speaks into your fears. The awareness that God is in fact, oh Lord God. And that he does in fact 
know what's going on. Before Abram even vocalizes it, God says, I know what's going on with you, so stop fearing. Here's the next one after stop fearing. A lot more I can say about that. I'm about out of time. God says to him, I am your shield. Very literally translated, there's no verb in that. It's like God just puts two words side by side. I, shield. (laughs) He cuts to the chase. And so Abram, in the midst of this fear that he has, God says to him, I'm going to take care of you. This word, shield, comes from a verb that means to steal, as in thief. Isn't it interesting that God uses a noun that grows out of a verb that pictures the thing that we're most afraid of? Somebody's going to get something that's mine, or I'm not going to be able to hold on to what's mine. And God says, I your shield. Good news for us in that is that as God's child, you are never left unprotected. He is always with you. Why would you fear if he's there? And finally, he says a very great reward. This is a picture of involvement where God says, In addition to what he's already said, he says, I'm with you, and I got this. Those are all truths for us. They're true for Abram. They're true for us. You can take those things. You plug them in. You settle into those truths, and it'll help you with your fear. But here's the kicker for us. Our tendency is to take those things and say, Yeah, but can God be trusted? I know that we're sophisticated enough in our uh, spiritual growth and development that our head says, I don't have to ask that question. I know that God can be trusted. But the difference between what our head says and what our heart says when we're gripped by fear can be all the difference in the world. In the middle of fear, it is so easy to give way to what you know about God in favor of, I'm just not sure he's good for that. So here's the answer if that's you today. If you're sitting here going, okay, I know the truth and I know I should trust God in this and I'm not, what do I do with that? How do I get past my fear? I love the way verse 1 starts off. I think it gives us the big part of the answer here. Notice three simple words. After these things. I started off today by giving us the background on everything that God had done with Abram to this point. Doesn't it make sense that if God had done all of those things to take care of him and to get him to where he needed to be, that God would also be good for the one thing that scared Abram? After these things... God spoke. So for you, when you find that little niche in your life that actually becomes a dark dungeon where fear is your only companion, settle in to after these things and look backwards in your life and trace the hand of God who has brought you through so many other fear-inducing moments. And hold on to the truth of that in the now. This little passage 
ends in verse 6. One of the most significant verses in all of Scripture. The Apostle Paul will pick up this verse and apply it in the New Testament several times. James will pick up this verse. If I remember right, it's James. will pick up this verse and it lays the foundation for us so that we might know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 6, and he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. That word believe is more than just a mental assent, okay? 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I believe it. This is a different word. This is the word that takes what you say you believe and translates it down into the way that you live. It's a trust statement. And all of these fears, God speaks into it, and Abram, it says, took it as gospel truth. And God says, that's right. That's what pleases me. So where is God in your life today? Let's stand. I want us to pray together. Invitation time. Where is God? What is he teaching you? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for... the fact that you meet us where we are, that you know that life can be hard and it can bring up fears. God, I pray that you would just stir our hearts to trust you more, that we would just lean into your arms when life just seems too hard and too scary. We just pray all this in your son Jesus' name.